When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, I'm Shelby Scott, the host of Scare You to Sleep, a podcast where I tell you scary stories full of creepy sound effects and music that is soothing yet unsettling to help immerse you into a world of horror. This is a show for those of us who have realized horror can be a strange but relaxing escape from reality. Speaking of escapes, sometimes I lead you through guided nightmares, like a guided meditation, but instead of flowery meadows, I take you on a journey through your own personal nightmare. So come get lost in the terror with me. Now a proud part of the Bloody Disgusting Network, you can find Scary to Sleep wherever you get your podcasts. Sweet screams. What are we doing? Voiced. Waterfall. Yeah. Well, good evening, ladies and gents. Given the fact that in this week, Manchester United have drawn a game and we've lost a game, you would kind of expect that we'd be a little bit downbeat, kind of a little bit pissed off. Not sure about you, Val, not sure about you, Matt, but I'm still feeling, I don't know, I'm, I'm feeling quite positive about how still, maybe it's because I'm not losing sight of the longer goal, but look, welcome to United People's Podcast. I think it's episode 32 now, something like that. Uh, but we're speaking through the Palace draw, the loss away to Arsenal, um, Ten Hag and Arteta after six months, you know, if this is where... Ten Hag is now. Where could we be after three years? We'll take a little look ahead towards the summer and the priorities that we feel are needed for like stage two. And then we've got this week, we've got another game with two. Uh, every single week is two games now, I think until March. Mm. This week we've got Forrest in the semi and Reading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Bow, how's it going? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Good. A bit tired. Because I, like, I went watching in the pub yesterday, had a couple too many to drink. Ah, uh, look at that. It's but, catching up with you. As soon as you're yeah. 45, right? Yeah. It's still, <laughs> still, still 10 years to go. <laughs> Matt, how you doing, yeah. Dan? Yeah, good son. Good son. Uh, yeah, same as you. Still positive. I think it's, uh, yeah, still buzzing for this week. Nice little trip to Nottingham on Wednesday, and away we go. Happy days. Well, well it's, uh, Matt, you, <clears throat> you mentioned it off the pod before we got started, but um, I think you're. we're looking at these two games, right? Palace, I went in the last pod. I stand by what I said. I said, look, at that point, Man United were title contenders i think we would know by the end of the week whether that whether that was genuine or not and during this week we've got one point from a possible six i think arsenal now 11 points clear um you can effectively write us out of that conversation pretty much as soon as we went into the conversation mm-hmm. after beating city but it's not it's not a negative feeling in any way shape or form it's it we know what our aims are this season top four ideally a, a trophy or a, a couple or two we're six points ahead of spurs in fifth and I tell you what sucked in those two games: two 90th minute plus goals that we've conceded to turn a draw, turn a turn a win into a draw, and a draw into a defeat. Um, what's what's your takeaway from? Like, if you want to, we can focus on Palace first for a few minutes. <clears throat> United weren't very good against Palace. Pretty much the, the the whole game, we kind of looked a bit jaded. Ericsson, if he looked jaded against Palace. Jeez, he followed that up with Arsenal. He just he looked like he was running on like fifty percent battery before he even kicked the ball. Uh, but what's what's your main takeaway from that from that Palace game? Obviously, Elise coming with legitimately, like he's never doing that again. That free mm. kick, insane. 
right? I think it's for me. It's and it, it echoes this week. We got what we deserved. Uh, too many flicks, too many miscontrols, too many wrong decisions. The application from certain players wasn't great. The decision making wasn't bang on. But and I've said it before, and a couple of weeks ago. The lads look tired. They're getting to 70 minutes and they're looking tired. They're looking jaded. They're looking, and like you said, I think when you just mentioned it at the start of the pod, we keep going two games a week till the beginning of March or mid-March. Mm, in March, right? With this squad, with this depth of squad, I'm optimistic about the season being brilliant. Look, we went to Palace last season. I think it's one of the last games to see using the box up there with your, your champagne and your caviar and whatever you had. But no, caviar was had, by the way. We but lost. Champagne, though. We lost 1-0, 2-0. Yeah, that was Randy's last performance. The application was diabolical. This, the, the lads, the lads given everything, and I'm absolutely buzzing for that. After what we've seen, the shit show for the last two years, three years, the lads are giving everything, and I, I, we got what we deserved. But a point of Palace, you take that. Yeah, but I mean, in an going into the Arsenal game, yeah, <clears> it was disappointing to concede that, right? But it was nine wins and a draw going into going into that game against Arsenal. I think Ten Hag. Well, he is. He's spoken about it. He's pissed off with how United are seeing out these games. Because, Bao, Bao, do you think, do you think, if this United squad approached it differently in the last twenty minutes of these last two games, that we could have and maybe should have got different results out of it? Do you reckon it's kind of we were the architects of our own downfall? Yeah, yeah, massively. I mean, I was discussing it with, with Matt after the the Palace game was on in terms of how annoyed I was. Like, we would we effectively gave that game away because we coasted through that second half with silly passes, um, short passes, effectively how Casemiro ended up getting booked. Um, and then same thing yesterday, we've got it back to 2-2. And then, you know what? Go go, 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 go for hell for leather. Like, you go punch for punch. They're going to create chances, so you're going to get chances back. But we didn't put a glove on them. And then we've just sat deeper and deeper and deeper, stood off them. And effectively just invited them onto us and we I think we we're lucky in the fact that okay you conceded late on, but as Matt says, we deserve what we got in both games because you can't just effectively coast through a game for the last half an hour thinking, Okay, you will you're gonna see this result out like we haven't won a single league game away from home by more than one goal. We then we discussed it last week. Um, Leicester away, Southampton away, Wolves yeah. away. We, we we got lucky in terms of seeing those games out, um, because they all had chances late on. And against Palace, we got caught out, and again again at Arsenal. So I think ten words. Where do you think that's coming from? Do you reckon that's coming from the players not having the legs to keep the same intensity up, so they naturally drop deeper? Is it Ten Hag tactically saying to the players, drop deep? Because I don't feel like Ten Hag wants that i mean Not i think yesterday, I think yesterday there's there's subs there to me to be made like positive ones and he didn't i thought i would have taken reg or stuff because i didn't generally didn't know he was playing the last half an hour i would have gone rushing through the middle and put garnacho on him like we waited until we, we conceded that palace to then start coming back at him and playing football and again we did that yesterday albeit in injury time but i'm not too downbeat about it i'm I'm just more worried that the because um, that era of invincibility is gone. They're riding that kind of wave of winning game after game. I don't want that complacency to set in all suddenly. Now you know what this could easily lead to three or four bad results, and suddenly you're then I, back into the mixer of top four and potentially could be out of a cup. I, t- I tell you what, I tell you what is quite a good timing for us now, Matt. Is the fact next eight days we've got three cup games. We've got <clears throat> obviously Forest home and away, back uh, wrapped around the Reading game. Uh, and we can sort of... The Premier League, mate, we are currently exceeding expectations of where we thought we'd be in the Premier League, right? Everybody can say that. We're probably about where maybe the expectations would have been going into the season, but you didn't quite know whether United would make the League Cup semi. But they're big games coming up. I mean, the, the big games, I think, after Reading, I think that is that when we go into... Is that back-to-back against Leeds? And then we've got... Barca away, then Leicester in the league. I think it's it's mad. It's it's absolutely mad. I literally nearly forgot to speak about Palace before before because I forgot that we played two games in one week. How are you doing it, man? And, you know, going back to that Palace game, you talk about the frustrations of it. How pissed off are you? Not with the Casemiro book, and I was pissed off about, it, but 
that chance right at the end when he then he like bundled it in with his thigh. Like, he yeah, was millimeters I, away with that. I don't think he was expecting it to come over. If you look at the still, it, it just shaves the defender's head, and I think then he just kind of just Man, dives towards it. I was like, nah, oh, I, I couldn't believe that didn't go in. But uh, yeah, Matt, I, that game against Arsenal, right? Um, it's. I was trying to think of it, and I still haven't. I've not given it enough thought. I suppose I can't remember the last time that we played Arsenal in the league when we were both teams of actual genuine quality that had a bit of meaning, a game that had a bit of meaning in the Premier League, like that, that sort of delivered like that. Because it really did, from a neutral perspective, they absolutely loved it. Uh, from, from a United fan, from my perspective, I wanted us to compete. Was the absolute minimum was that we that we competed in that game. And I think we did for around about 65 minutes-ish. And then when Arsenal stepped up for those last 20, they had an extra gear, whereas we were starting to, run out of juice whatever you want to call it yeah no it was it was a weird game uh i mean funny enough he had phone reception in the stadium so i was messaging val and the group uh, and some other mates uh some different theories to what they thought they thought that martinelli was running wambazaka ragging i thought wambazaka played well to be honest i didn't think that a lot come down the left side but wambazaka was getting dragged inside the goal yeah the first goal it was his fault again standing still when the cross is coming in Bow with there, he said about Vigors coming off. I thought he had a good game, to be honest. I thought his hold-up play was very good. I think I he had, had a good uh, game. his interceptions were, were, were quality in the final third. We looked tired. You said there about the bench, Bow. I personally didn't think we had any depth on that bench, to be honest, because they warmed up in front of us. We was about four or five rows back. And uh, just before the game, the game starts in the, in the pre-match warm-up. And the bench looked weak. It just looked weak. And I know they're three years into a project, but Ben White got booked uh, yeah. early on, half-time, off Tommy Asu, is it? I think that's his name. He yeah. come on. It's more like like for like. And we can't do that at the moment. In a, in a, in a wonderful world, we'd have changed two of that midfield. After the amount of games we're having, we'd have changed two. And we haven't got the strength in depth. But Arsenal, I mean, I'll tell you this. Uh, the, the best player I've seen live ever or performance-wise, is Jack Wiltshire many years ago. The touch and the quality, the, the young Jack Wiltshire I'm talking about. But yesterday, Odegaard got, has gone into my first top 10. The lad is just quality. The way he plays for the strokes, the ball. He pinned the ball out to Zinchenko. He didn't even look. Just knew where he was. And we're six months into this project. And they're three years in and they're doing that. It's, you've got to be optimistic. We Like I said, we went toe-to-toe for 65, 70 minutes. And then we run out of steam. That that's the bit that concerns me going into the February, which is a, a worrying thing when we have still got eight days to go. Uh, is the lack of the lack of energy? I think we're going to have that concerns I, I, me. I, th- I think you, you you sort of pulled it on it there. Um, I think we've got to sort of step back and maybe not admire, but appreciate that this is a different Arsenal team. Like. Everybody's still expecting this Arsenal because Arsenal built that reputation. Same as Spurs, they bottle it. Everyone's expecting Arsenal to hit the wobble and fumble and just sort of don't know what to do. That I saw a different Arsenal team there to the Arsenal team that I remember for the last few years. The way they stepped up in those last 25, they weren't just, um, you know, Arsenal have had, the, they used to have all that possession on the outside of your box, but they weren't really that threatening. They threatened basically every time they went forward in that last 25 minutes. I'm kind of surprised that we lasted as long as we did. So I think all credit to Arteta. I do think there's quite a lot of parallels that you can draw between the case study of what happened with Arteta when he went to Arsenal and the state of the club and how he was backed and how he sort of overcame the personalities in the dressing room. I think there are quite a few similarities in the first six months. Hopefully, ours also ends um, with a cup at the end of his first season. But yeah, I, I think I just wanted to to praise. But how good is Saka, by the way? I'd love to sign mm. Saka. I think God. he's such a genuine, genuine good guy, and a very, very good footballer. What would be the first thing you do to him as a left back? Where would you show him? What show him to the outside? How do we know that? And we've not got how many England caps between us in total? All in all, excluding no, the twenty ones. No, you're we've saying that. Come on, you're, you're saying that, but. Every time he went on the inside, because Ericsson in that game, we're talking about uh, players being jaded, right? Man United's midfield trio that has been like the absolute staple in this good run of form that we've had has been Casemiro, has been Ericsson, has been Bruno. In that game, Casemiro was suspended. And we'll go on to talk about McTominay in a bit. Ericsson, he's running on maybe 50% right now. Ericsson is... And in that... Look, I've, 
I love Ten Hag. Ten Hag make, has done so much right. I personally feel he made a mistake by starting Ericsson over Fred. Because for me, in a game like that, you knew how fast that game was going to be. Everybody knew it from, from the first whistle. That ball was going to zip around that pitch. And I don't particularly think that was the environment where Ericsson was ever going to thrive. And I, maybe it's Captain Hindsight speaking. You can let me know what you think. But given that Ericsson played... And ended up, look, it's, it's a bit unlucky, really. You can't blame it. But the fact that we had Palace sandwiched in between City and Arsenal, it really didn't help us. We're already kind of, we've already got an 11, which we're kind of overplaying, let alone because we had the extra game in. But what's, what was your take on, on Ericsson's, on, basically, I suppose, the whole midfield's performance? We didn't cope well without Casemiro. Man, we missed him. If we had Casemiro in that last 30 minutes, I don't think that game pans out the same. You mm. might disagree. What do you reckon, yeah. Bell? Yeah, I mean, both Matt obviously touched on uh, Odegaard, but um, Partey had a big influence on it. He broke up play and he drove them forward. Also making those long busting. I mean, that time when he caught Anthony, and he had like a ten yard, ten yard head start on him. Um, but everything's hitting the the right notes for Arsenal at the moment. They're playing eight out of eleven players every game. Their test is going to be obviously when when their injuries come. And for me now, we've got, as you mentioned, three three cup games now. I'd go all out and try and win this semi-final in this first leg. Try and get a two-goal win over there. And then you pretty much play your Maguires, your Lindelofs, your Malassias, play McFred, play Anthony, give Wergos another run out, but wrap everyone up in cotton wool over the weekend and give everyone half an hour out again on thingy, that, then you're pretty much giving them all 10 days off, m- more or less. And I think he has to use this period, but as to coming back to winning the game early and then suddenly pull, pulling those players off, because that Casemiro last week shouldn't have happened because that game should have been done and dusted. Palace were in the game, United were controlling the game, but then they've just coasted and coasted and coasted and suddenly found up, found ourselves in an injury time and we've conceded. So... I think it's a big, big ten days in terms of how Ten Hag manages the squad personally. Well, look how how, how do you cope without Ericsson there? Because effectively, right, we signed Ericsson to be the backup to Frankie De Jong, who we never signed. So therefore, Ericsson became Frankie De Jong, and he's become the guy who's we're currently relying on. Eric Ten Hag, if he has his way, he'll sign. I don't know whether we'll go. I, I wouldn't rule us going back in for De Jong in the summer. I really wouldn't. But are somebody of that ilk. Ericsson's our guy. And there's not really anybody inside that squad. You go from Ericsson to Fred, completely different profile to player. Ericsson to Casemiro is probably the closest you're going to get to it in terms of that playmaking from deep. Because Casemiro's got a much better passing range, I think any of us knew. You could throw Kobe Mainu in there. He's a 17-year-old. McTominay, he's not really that guy either. I, I, I fear for how we're going to cope with the rotation and the tempo's not going to drop off. Mm. But uh matt we've got to talk about mctominay right because it was such a big talking point going into the game missing casemiro we knew it was going to be a blow it was a blow um andy mitten uh we just we went through his play ratings here and just for just, he gave him seven out of ten which i'm kind of surprised about i don't know whether andy's been a bit generous that there because i didn't see a seven out of ten from mctominay uh what's what was your take on his performance in, in, in him trying to replace casemiro yeah, I think you've just hit the nail on the head there, Sam, with that last line. You can't replace Casemiro. I mean, you look at the we was directly behind Saka's shot. I think that when as soon as he cuts inside, cuts inside Shaw, Casemiro's there to block a shot, block a cross, block him going across. Very clever player, the cleverest player we've seen at Old Trafford for a long time with Casemiro. But McTominay, he didn't do much wrong. He didn't do much really. I don't know. He obviously stacked it, didn't he, for the last goal when the ball was coming across the pitch. He slipped and he couldn't get there. But I think his reading of the game is not as clever as Casemiro, but no one's reading of the game is as clever. So to feel to put those two together is it's a bit harsh on Scott. I don't think he'd done much wrong. I think you'll see Scott for the next two games. Well, you see, no, sorry, for the, you'll see him against Reading. I don't think you'll see him Wednesday. I think you'll see Casemiro and Fred start. But I thought Scott... There was a few players that frustrated me yesterday. I thought Anthony, and I've got to retract this, first half was fantastic. Absolutely yeah. on the money. But I he didn't come out second half. It's a real shame because he, he had a good half to build on there. And But it is what it is. I thought, like I said, with Scott, 
getting six or seven, like you said, I think that's a fair reflection. He wasn't that bad. He really wasn't. No, I'm not. I'm not isolating him and scapegoating no. him. It's just, I think. I mean, you mentioned it there. You talked about how Ben White went off and Tommy Asu came in, and it was a bit of a sort of like, oh, it's kind of a like for like, like the fucking drop off from from Casemiro to McTominay is not yeah. McTominay's fault, but it's fucking huge, and that's why we struggle so much at this moment in time. It's stage one of the rebuild. I keep saying this, like you don't really get strength in depth at stage one. Like this City team has been built over, what, five, six, seven years of correct transfer window after correct transfer window. We've had one, I would argue, very good transfer window, and we need to build on it in the summer. But um, you mentioned Anthony there. Bow, I thought, I agree with Matt. I thought that first half, Anthony was far more direct than he has been mm -hmm. in these last games. He's actually taking players on. He looked a bit of confidence. He was, he was pissing the Arsenal fans off. They were booing his every touch, and he seemed to be enjoying it. He seemed to be in, thriving out of it. And then he just went, yeah, he just he went in on himself in that second half and he just he sort of disappeared. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think he was the only one. Rashford then got doubled up. So when it, when your main outlet has got two players on him, then you kind of need the other ones to then kind of step up to the fore. Um, and a couple of times where we broke from midfield and the ball's fallen a bit loose. But I said it a couple of weeks ago, they, they need to start. If we're going to do achieve something... The likes of him, Martial, now Weghorst, Bruno, Ericsson, regularly have to come to the party and start sharing the workload because anything happens to Rashford, we're fucked at the moment at, at yeah. the top of the pitch because I, I don't see a goal coming from anywhere else um, unless Bruno scores one from midfield. Or, um, Bruno was anonymous. I, I, mate, I, I love Bruno, and I, but I, Bruno was particularly... Um, I think in that game... In, in the way that we... Maybe it's a bit unfair to call him anonymous, but in the way we set up there to play Arsenal quite fast on the transition, it kind of relied heavily on Bruno Fernandes being that guy because he is our transition man, isn't he? He's the, he's the bloke who will bring that ball forward really quick and then also be back to defend. And as I said, like if you're looking at the, the midfield trio that's been on form for United this season, Casemiro was suspended. Eriksen was running on 50% battery. And, and, and um, I think... Bruno Fernandes kind of got swept up in the occasion. You know what he's like. He loves the emotion of it all. And it was a big day. Uh, yeah, going back to the original positive, I am happy. I'm not well, I'm not fucking happy. We just lost, right? But it feels like this United team is already competing. I know we're competing. We've beaten City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Spurs, all at Old Trafford. We've drawn away at, C at Chelsea. But let's ignore what happened away at City. We just lost there against Arsenal and it was close. It was tight. And they are currently the best team in the Premier League. There's a couple more points I want to speak about from the uh, from the game itself. Matt, you were there when Martinez scored his first goal for United. How do you feel? I'm jealous. Well, for the first three seconds, I had to go looking for my son because he went about two rows down trying <laughs> to jump on him because his hero had scored. But no, it was... Yeah, like you said, he's, he came running down into the corner to us. It's brilliant. Like I said, yeah, I said this up uh, pre-pod. Uh, it was probably the worst. We've been in a lot of the weigh-ins this season, to be honest, Ballant, we between us all. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the worst one I've been in. A third of it was tourists. Uh, is what it is. That's what happens when you're in London and it's United and it's a big game, etc. Tickets were going for stupid money before the game. So there was no real atmosphere. I thought when we got back to 2-2, uh, I thought it'd be game on here with the fans, game on with United. And it, again, it just sat back and soaked it up but as you said they're very positive although yes we, we lost etc but the defensive performance it's just those moments those lapses those moments of lapse of yeah. concentration isn't it that those fine margins which have cost us because I think that Palace game we didn't have to give that free kick away the Arsenal mm. one McTominay slips and the cross comes in and it's it's those fine margins at the moment, which he's getting pissed off about. And I can see he, he why he's getting pissed it. off with it. But. He keeps saying it. He goes, details. He goes, this game mm. will come down to the details. And it was ultimately, last two games, that you could argue that... that I've got to speak about the Hayer, by the way, in a little bit. But um, <laughs> Hayer's clearance away at Palace, instead of sort of like passing it left, I think it was Shaw down there. It comes back and the free kick's conceded. Um, uh, then you... The, the free kick itself. Yeah, it is fucking fine margins. But... At the top level in elite sport, it is those fine margins that define the winners from the losers, right? Because you're going to get two teams who are that good going against each other. It will be the, the small details. But I mentioned it there, right? There's two more players I want to speak about from the game. 
Uh, I want to speak about Veghorst in a bit, but De Gea, man. For me, De Gea in that game, I think De Gea has been, I would probably say this season so far, probably one of his best seasons. I, I think maybe you, you could argue that, that that season where we finished second under Mourinho, where he was like blitzing every game. It's because he was facing like seven sh- clear shots on target a game. He didn't have to make that many good saves because our defending is better. We're keeping much more clean sheets. But De Gea's was a problem for me against Arsenal because he, we uh, we massively panicked. I wouldn't say we massively panicked. A big problem we had was slowing the game down. Every time we got rid of it, it came back just as quick and Arsenal just kept coming forward. And at that time, when especially without, I think without Casemiro, that made a bit of an issue. But De Gea's passing from the back, that, that first goal, for example, right? The ball out to Wan-Bissaka, both of them, not particularly comfortable with, with the ball at the feet under pressure. De Gea decides to pass to, to Wan-Bissaka. And Wan-Bissaka, the body language was wrong. I think he was facing the sideline when he got the ball. And then it goes off and that's where the corner comes from. At that point, De Gea could have run to the edge of his box down on the right-hand side, giving him an easy option back. But it's kind of not his natural instinct. Mm. Quite a lot of occasions, yes. I, I don't know whether I'm overanalyzing, but I really do feel that De Gea, in the long term, I just can't see it. I just can't see how he can be that goalkeeper under pressure, being able to find that ball, that simple pass to Varane or Martinez. Because I think that game, for me, it kind of exposed it a little bit. And I don't I mean, think he did himself any favours for the game, by the way, when he said, um, I've got nothing to prove. You see that interview that came out? That was a bit of an odd one. No, I didn't see it. I mean, th- the thing is, you, you saw it kind of early on in the season where we tried to play out from the back there, that Brentford game where it was ridiculous and then he quickly binned it. I mean, Ralph tried to do it last year as well. Um, and there's a reason why they're letting his contract run down at the moment because they, they, they're probably waiting to see, can he actually play? Because um, he's, he's the biggest earner at the club. Can he actually play the way the manager wants him to? And as you just said, some of these are basic, basic things. You... I mean, like for example, like Allison. Yeah, he made that error against Wolves in the cup, but that's probably one in every twenty. But the amount of times he'll he'll save him, him or him or Edison, um, you'll take them because the, the amount of um, assists Edison gets with his feet because he can play a pass and he's comfortable with the ball. And if you're gonna try and play a higher line, which I think he'd like to do, and push his fullbacks on, then you have to have the confidence in your goalkeeper behind you that he's gonna come off his line. And we never see that with De Gea. Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of him. I think he's the best shot stopper. But the the goalkeeper's game has become so much more than just saving footballs now. You, that, you... I think that about in, in particular, I saw everyone going off in the group about it. You know, when that cross was like came mm-hmm. in, it flo- floated up in the air, and there was absolutely no pressure around him. And it was at that. This is what I mean, Matt, about that panic. About a good, a clever goalkeeper there grabs, drops to his knees. Six second wait, holds up, brings the team, calms it down a little bit. De Gea does a fucking mad punch into about six yards away. Like he punched it, punches it to Martinelli. It's like, mm. it just doesn't help us. Maybe I'm, as I said, being hypercritical, but I'd, it's because it's such a fundamental of Ten Hag's football is playing out from the back, right? I mean, that was basic because there's four defenders there and they've all just kind of said, okay. Dave, this is your ball. Keep his ball. It's keep his ball. Don't worry about it. Come on, catch it. And he's like, what the fuck have we just done that for? Um, yeah, but but you're right. It's, it is it is fundamental. Um, and you'll probably see it in games. I mean, we probably will lose more games this season. That's that's without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Um, I'm, just, I'm just hoping now we can get it back together and rotate the squad going into that Barcelona Double header. That, oh, that's, 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 the, that's the big game now. That's the next big game, so to say. With Dave, what happened yesterday? Well, he's always trying to play it from the back, and you've got three players who are really clever who can do it Shaw, Martinez, and Varane, who can actually play out from the back. And when with Dave, I think there were times when I don't know if he gets fined 20 grand if he kicks it long. I don't know. Because there was two or three times, just get rid, hook it down the touchline, and Vigor should come across and give it a go to an attempt to. To, to get hold of it but with the, you can sense a nervousness when Dave's got the ball at the back and I don't know if that goes gets projected to him on the pitch 
because two of the goals yesterday were our downfall, if you think about it. I mean, Saka's a great goal. I wouldn't have let him cut in, but that's just that's just hindsight. It's a, we was right behind it. It's a cracking strike, and I, Dave yeah. didn't have any chance. But Dave, at the fit, with his feet, it does give him... It's, it's nervous times. I do believe that. It really is nervous. If, like, if, you, were to, if you were to buy a keeper in the summer, who, who's readily available? Mate, look, I think we've been... We, Realistic. Raya from Brentford now, aren't we? I've, I've heard that quite recently. Jordan Pickford. <laughs> Would you? Yes. Uh-huh. He's got the arrogance. He can play football. Yeah, Doesn't have to move twat. house. Happy days. Fucking <laughs> T-Rex right. <Hooking> t- t- <laughs> arms. <laughs> There's a reason he's arrogant. Mate, can you he, imagine going on a night out with Pickford? What it would end up being like? It'd be horrible. Just happy for him to be goalie for a start. We've got on the piss later. <laughs> what, Look, you, I, you're both saying no to that then? What, Jordan Pickford? I'd have to... <laughs> I'd have to assess before saying yes or no, but my instinct would say would be to say no with Jordan Pickford. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we obviously we looked with uh, what did Diogo Costa had a bit of a poopy stinker at the World at the World Cup. Um, Raya from Brentford. He Who looks class. There, there, he there's, there's a few. I'll be surprised. I think Bow. I think you're right about the contract. I think United are sort of playing it smart. They'll get him to sign on reduced terms, and if United can get De Gea to sign on reduced terms, probably around about two hundred grand a week. With the premise and say, look, Dave, I'm going to be bringing in a new goalkeeper, right? Does, then he's, he's, not reduce, gonna, he's, he's not going to sign on the thingy. Does it reduce wages that make you play football or allow you to kick a football properly? It no, but, it's just, it, so. no, but, it, but it, it, it would accurately reflect his position in the squad. Actually, 200 grand a week for a second choice goalkeeper is not really reflecting the position in the squad. But David I just. Uh, is not going to stay as being second goalkeeper. He'll no. walk into a majority of the teams in world football. Then I then I don't I don't think he stays in. I don't yeah. then I don't think he stays because we in there's no fucking chance if we're having this podcast in two years time that David De Gea is still our number one if De, if Ten Hag gets what he wants. Mm. And because okay. because playing out from the back with the ball is such a crucial aspect of his whole build up play, it, it, it I just don't think it can ever De Gea has improved this year, right? And he and we have been playing slightly better out from the back with the ball. But then go into that Arsenal game where you're under intense pressure and in those games where it's even more critical that your goalkeeper has that calmness and composure and he just, he collapsed. 12 months ago, we couldn't play out from the back because we had Maguire, Lindelof, Wan-Bazaka, Shaw. Now, Shaw can play out from the back. Martin, Martin, you, you don't, you, you probably don't see it on TV, but when he knocks it out wide to Shaw, the run Martin is makes inside to give him the angle to play it back mm. to Dave, onto Varane and then onto Anthony. It's... It's, clear, it's it's brilliant to watch because last year you just had the back four knocking it along the Maguire to Lindelof. I think Maguire didn't he have like something like 148 passes in one match? The they just stood, st- they just stand just still, still. though. They? Yeah, they stand uh, still. So now uh, you you got three of the back five now who can play out from the back. So that's brilliant. But then Absolutely you've got two at the back five in De Gea and, and Wan-Bissaka who yeah, were cold like, As you said there, it's work in progress and it's a six-month project. Or it's not a six-month project, but we're six months into the project. And... If 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 he goes, fair play to Dave. He's been a brilliant servant, absolutely fantastic servant. And but I'm, like I said, where I say it to a lot of people, I think the phrase "What got you here won't get you there" really does apply to mm. David de Gea because he's been incredible for these last ten years. And if he wasn't here, who knows how far we would have actually fallen? Because we fell pretty damn far. But I think if de Gea wasn't here, it would have been significantly worse. Mm. Uh, and of course, he—he's what is he the last person in this squad who remembers winning the league with us? I don't, there's no one else in this squad, is there? Nope. I don't think there is. So we sat Jones, and, and that was his first season. Bill Jones, my God, what a thief! <laughs> what a thief! My Bill God, he must have the best. This dude must have the best contract in the world. I swear. <laughs> but look, uh, last person I want to speak about from the game because I've got loads of stick for it for defending Veghorst because I thought he as a as a, as a, in the game plan that I think Ten Hag gave him, I reckon he executed it perfectly in that first half. Like we, we were going to be isolated. He had to press. I think he had five interceptions. It was more than anybody else on the pitch. He linked up nice passes. There was one particular pass to Bruno that like outside of the boot first touch. Where I was like, oh, that's a fucking touch. Of course, he didn't have that many opportunities. We didn't cross it into the box. He's not really... I think he did what Ten Hag was asked of him. And I just... I found it really... I got pelters absolute pelters for saying he had a good game. I wanted to get your t- your two thoughts on him. You mean you, you just mentioned, you mentioned there we didn't create enough chances 
for him putting putting balls in the box. Are we that type of team now? Where we no, just so how how are we going to create those chances for him if we don't play that type of football? It's, it's a case of now he's there for his work ethic and getting the best of best out of those around him. So to correct. Say. I've, I would say that's going to be, on a six-month basis, I don't think well, our fundamental start of football is not going to change. We're not going to be knocking it into the box. He might get some from corners, but he's there to try and, I believe, get the most, get more out of the players around him in the short space of time that he is here, rather than us saying, let's just lump it into Veghorst. No, I, think, I thought he played same as you, Sam. I thought he had a good game yesterday. Uh, he's there to bring other players into it. His touch is very good. A very good touch for a big man. And he's there to battle with the centre halves in a, in a rough and tough game. I thought he played well. It's, he's not gonna. He's a stopgap, and the quicker we get used to where we are financially and as a club, he's a stopgap, and he's gonna be a very good stopgap because he brought a lot of people into the game yesterday to dragging the centre half out to allowing one of the wingers to go behind into that gap. I think there was one. Anthony was clean. For, well, if from where we looked, it was clean. I've not seen the highlights. And I think he stacked it, didn't he? I think he tripped over his feet or whatever because he was. And I think that's the one where you said, "Bow that Partey made it up." Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But I thought Anthony was clean through then. I think that was from a, a V course flick back to Ericsson and then played through again. So yeah. I, I, I thought he played well. I thought he played really well. Well, you, well, you, you certainly can't fucking rely on Martial anymore. You know, he's missed. Yeah. I think he's missed fifty percent of the games. As I, I said it before the game, I said personally, I think I've just checked out. As a fan, I've sort of checked out with mm-hmm. Martial. If at any point he comes and surprises me this season. And fair play, but I'm not going to be relying on him anymore. I think Ten Hag has probably realised. Yeah, I can't either. Sad. Yeah. It is sad. He's going to be. He's, he's he's kind of like a Louis Saha type player, isn't he? Yeah, it's, just, it's just that mentality of knowing that. Okay, well, the first thing for you say about Louis Saha he goes, unless he was hundred percent, he wouldn't go out and play. If he felt a slight a slight niggle, where somebody like Rooney would be like, "No, I'm fucking playing," and um, he's like, "Nah, just just in case." Now I don't want to risk it. A bit like Rashford at half time against City. He could have easily gone off then. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, 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 I think we said last year, uh, the season before, I think he probably would have. But um, but yeah, it's I think it's a big week, but I think, as I said before, he's, he's got to use the squad this week for me. Be, let, let, be, let's talk be, about clever, it. be clever with it. Let's talk about it. You've got Forrest and you've got Reading, right? League Cup semi with three games away from Ten Hag lifting his first trophy. That's his... With, with the with the little buffer that we've given ourselves in the league, and as I said, we've got three cup games in a row. You don't have to worry about the league. Just park the league for a couple of weeks. Just just purely focus on cup football. We've got Nottingham Forest. They don't have Dean Henderson, who is their best player so far this season. We've got to, I think, bow your spot on. Ten Hag has always mentioned it quite, quite a lot of times. He talks about energy in games. He goes, you don't have to expend that much energy in the last half an hour of games if you've controlled it if you've killed the game off you can take a couple of players off you can chill it won't be a chill game away at Nottingham Forest because they know full well they need a result there if they're going to get anything from, from it because they were put in a league at Old Trafford but what are you expecting on Wednesday I'm expecting pretty much as full strength a team as he can put out but do you think Ericsson plays in that game because I mean he looks shagged no it'd be the same back five as played against Arsenal Garnacho are coming for Anthony and Fred are coming with with Casemiro into the centre of the park with Bruno. I think that's full strength. I think again, again that does concern me with the bench. I'll tell you what I might think. I, I'll throw this out there. I'm hoping to see Sancho on the bench. Yeah, I, th- I think you will. I think I think Sancho will be on a bench because Sancho, I imagine, will start against Reading. And I think a good yeah. way to reintroduce him to the match day rhythm is to have him on the bench. And it makes a really good point there because we've 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 gone here. We haven't spoken about Sancho. He's Finally, he's. We, we spoke about him last week. He's. He's. He. I can't fucking wait. I can't wait. It's what a time for us to get Sancho back into the squad. If Sancho can, can be that guy, mate. If Sancho can be that guy, boy, it you, our attack changes in you in just an said If four times. Yeah, of course, it's a huge if, man. The guys disappeared for eight weeks, so we have no idea what version of him's coming back, how mm. long it's going to take him to refine his rhythm, but. It's just going to be great to have him back. And I, given what Ten Hag has done with so many other players, I have to believe the precedent is there that Sancho will come back an improved individual, that Sancho will come back a better player. Now, whether he lights it up straight away, we, we won't know yet. He will come back, for me, at an away ground. 
So I think Wednesday, because I think the day tripping knob Eddie goes to Old Trafford and the boo boys, if he does one thing, the, the groans or the shoulders mm. go down, the away fans will get behind him and back him like they do with anyone. That's a I fair can see thing. him on the bench Wednesday, personally. That's yeah. a fair point. That's a fair point. What, them, uh, bringing him on for like the last 20 minutes or something like that? Yeah. Because you'd also like to think, though, he would have gone to Eric Ten Hag on Saturday goes, I'm coming down on the train with you boys today. I'm up for this tomorrow. I've, and that's when you find out a bit of character about him, whether he's done that and Eric said, no, just sit tight. You're going to, you're going to knock him on Wednesday. But we'll, we'll see. It's, I think it, I'd, like, I'd like to see him in the squad. I think Garnacho will start. I personally do. Mm. No, yeah, I think he's played all the, all the League Cup games anyway, so... Yeah, I, 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 people were trying to uh, slag Ten Hag a bit for not bringing Garnacho on earlier against Arsenal, and I think I think I can like semi understand it, but I think it kind of I don't know. I, I, maybe I was just because I don't really want any criticism of Ten Hag, and I'm kind of defending him too much, and I'm a little bit um, biased in that sense. But I don't really think that was a game where the I think if you're going to criticise a substitute, the substitution didn't happen. It was Fred should have been on earlier for Ericsson more than anything else. I think that would have been one that probably helped us. But, mate, Bao, you mentioned it there about we're, we're fucked right now if Rashford gets injured. Mm. And I hope that I hope that's a sort of pressure that Sancho can semi-alleviate. And he must be looking at Rashford going, shit me, look how good I want a bit. I want a slice of that pie. And it, it comes into the team in the right environment to do that. But Re- Reading, you have to imagine... We're going like full second eleven, basically against Reading, aren't we? That's that's a game where you really do rest everyone. Or is it a game where Ten Hag says, "Mate, it's the FA Cup fourth round. Arsenal are playing City, the two best teams in the country right now. One of them's going out." You, said there, you, you both said it. You said get the game done and get the players on. It could be that same scenario Saturday, but typical United at the moment. It'd be nil nil to the seventy third minute or something. Mm. And I mean, I just looked. I was looking at the Championship now. They what? 13th, 14th in the championship. So you're at home. Should be be able to bypass Reading at home. Come on. But the I mean, back five on Saturday will be, I think it might be Heaton or Butland. You'll have Wan Bazaka or Delo, and then you'll have Lindelof, Maguire, Malassia. That's your yeah, back five. I think you're right there. Yeah. Uh, Ten Hag surely has to learn at this point that you shouldn't play Lindelof and Maguire together. Play Lindelof or Maguire, but don't play Lindelof and Maguire. But, but then this is where you, you, you ha- he has to back him in the sense that mm. he can't just keep playing Varane or Martinez. Give, if they Lindelof and Maguire can't be, navigate the fucking Reading strikers, then I'm sorry. I mean, like, I think he with the squad, he got burnt by that Sociedad game at home, which cost us a group. Yep. Which is the reason why we're now having to play Barcelona. Uh, because the normally in another group, a normal group, this points dropped, and it didn't help that United and Sausage beat the fucking whipping boys home and away, and then it ended up coming to that result. Um, and that was a game where he did actually really make wholesale changes, and since then he's always kind of just tinkered a bit. Um, but but let's see, but let's see. It's, I mean, I, I, am I am I right in believing the Leeds game that's been rescheduled from when the Queen died? We're the only team with a double game week. Then, as well. Is that all right? Let me quickly go on the Premier League website now and have a look. Uh, but yeah, we play Leeds twice in four days, don't we? It's like March the 8th or something like that. I think that's if there's no replays. February the 8th. And then the 12th, I think, isn't it? Let's have a look. Uh, yeah, yeah, 8th and 12th, yeah. Where is it? We play Liverpool on the 4th. Fucking hell, play Liverpool on the 4th. That's March. You're on oh, my my bad. I'm looking at the wrong month. Yeah, you are. That is right. Everybody else. So it's the next game week. We uh, our next the the next game week. We've got Palace at home and then Leeds away. Leeds at home. Sorry. Um, on the Wednesday. Yeah, the Wednesday. Well, Palace is three o'clock on a Saturday, so that's a bit of a breather. Yeah. But like you said, there these three cup games kill the game. Wednesday, get two mm. to three up on aggregate. But I think I think you said there earlier, Sam. Wednesday will be a game, I think, uh, under the light, small allocation. It's... It absolutely will be. I, I, Nottingham Forest, what what was the result they got there? Who was it? Was it Chelsea? I think it was Chelsea. They beat Liverpool. Beat, beat Liverpool. Liverpool. Mate, I, I, I 
think Wednesday is not going to be the most enjoyable game to watch. Uh, I, I would love to. I would love for it to be a game where United kill it. We haven't got that killer. We're, we're, we're good at wounding teams. We're not very good at killing them off. And mm. that's got to be something that changes. And I think that comes with probably a, I don't know whether it's just a quality of the squad, whether it's whether it's a mentality. It's a, probably a, a different, it's a multitude of things. But to go back to the point that you made right before we started, Matt, to kind of finish the pod. Last year, we got steamrolled against Palace 1-0. And it was Ragnick's last game. Last year, what was the Arsenal game last year? It's when uh, we lost three one when Bruno missed the penalty at two one uh, and Shaka scored. Oh yeah, God, All right, yeah. Thanks, I shouldn't have asked. But you're right in that it's just, it's just, it feels different. It feels everything. I've got such trust in what Ten Hag is doing and where he can take us. And yeah, and I look at Arsenal and I look at Arteta and I think, fuck, if that's what you can be in three years then I would absolutely back Ten Hag to be better than that. Much, much better. And now and Arsenal are good. Right now, they're the best team in the league. If And look, it's the perfect time of new owners coming in as well. So I mean, like, we're at the start of something beautiful, hopefully. And um, it's just, it, what a difference a few months makes, isn't it? Like we've, we're, This pod is a pod that's off the back of a draw and a defeat, which should technically be just mm-hmm. three pissed off, grumpy old United fans talking about how shit we were instead we can talk about the mistakes we made but i think it's the it's think it's more the details rather than the overhaul of how bad the performance was which is which is a different thing yeah and and that's said we've got six perfect games now forest home and away reading and then um palace leads and leads six games there whereby a team of the united squad should be winning all six and that Gives you a chance to rotate the rotate the squad, go into Barcelona with six more wins under your belt. You've now you've won three league games, so you by then you're putting yourself in a really really good position for for the top four. And then you can say, you know, if you navigate Barcelona, then then just focus on the cups because you should have enough of a a gap then between those below you to kind of say get to the end of the season. I think where we'll find ourselves, I think we'll find ourselves comfortably third. But a considerable distance from City and Arsenal, who I think will pull away. Yeah, I think you're right. And looking at the uh, fixtures here, just out of interest, uh, when we play Palace, Spurs are playing City, so that's a game where I mean you've got to look at that. And if the if results go right, we'll be nine points ahead of Spurs in fifth place. Uh, what about the game game week after? Uh, what's going on? Spurs away at Leicester, West Ham are playing Chelsea, Arsenal, Brentford. City. I mean, yeah, I, I think it'd be re- I think it'd be really big shame for the progress we've made in Arteta, uh, Arteta, sorry, Ten Hag. Let's say if we lost to Barcelona, the League Cup's finished by the end of February, and then argument's sake, say you went out of the FA Cup in the quarters, your season's practically done by March, and I think it would be a shame because they don't deserve that. They 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 deserve to go into May, April, May, challenging for. A couple of, uh, trying to get a trophy or two. Hey, those Barca, those Barca games are going to be f- really fucking big. They're, they're going to be quite mm. old traffic that night. It's going to be an absolute. It was mm. going to be fantastic, and um, <laughs> it's not. That's not the best time to play Barcelona either. They're hitting some. <laughs> they're hitting some form, and they're starting. But, 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 but Chavi, Chavi was saying they don't want to play us either. They yeah, don't. They, 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 they didn't want this time. So, like I said, I was looking at after Liverpool versus Real Madrid in the Champions League. PSG Barcelona, Bayern Munich, argument's sake. It's the biggest tie in European football this season, and it's in the yeah. Europa League. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, mate, look, right. Uh, technically, you're right. Forest, Reading, Forest, Palace, Leeds, Leeds. Oh, I get six wins. Yeah, good. Yeah. But they, you should be. And I suppose it's going to be. It's going to be down to how we navigate this mm. rotation, Matt, and how well this we cope with the tempo drops between Casemiro randomly being rested or Ericsson being rested or Varane or Martinez or fucking Rashford. Because Rashford can't play every minute of these. And if Rashford's mm. out of it, where's the goals coming? There'd be goals. I, I wouldn't worry, but it's, it's, it's quite refreshing and invigorating listening to you going, I'm expecting six wins here. 
I'm expecting. You go back last year, I was just expecting Tellez to fucking jog back a bit quicker. <laughs> now, Tellez, my God. They, well, he's still on the books. I just wanted to, you know, Tellez and Phil Jones having a having a having a shit off. I think shit off. I just made it up. But uh, the, is Twanzebi still injured? Or is he fit? Uh, Twanzebi actually trained. Yeah, pictures of him training today for the first time. Yeah, I think in like what six months, something like that. That's all right. Still eight days left of the transfer window, so you never know. Poor bloke, man. Jeez. Remember when? Remember where, was it? What season was it? Solskjaer when he made his debut away at Arsenal in like holding mid. Mm. Um, no, remember when he played in PSG and he locked oh, Mbappe yeah. off, and everybody thought, "Oh, we've got a player here." Oh, he is a player, man. He is a genuine player, but injuries. He's just one of those injuries. It's gonna be. It's one of those players. But look, just I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know how to finish this podcast. Really, I think Arsenal. All credit to them. I think the Premier League is theirs to lose. Uh, and if they do lose it, then they'll default to Arsenal. But from what we saw at the weekend, this is a bit of a different looking Arsenal. And what Arteta has done, all credit to them. Um, and I think it was Connor who told me in the group, because I was kind of pissed off about Arsenal winning the league. And then he reminded me that if City won the league, it'll be three in a row. So all of a sudden, I'm, really, I'm absolutely fine with Arsenal winning the league. Absolutely fine. As long as it's not... They've just got the biggest... Fucking twat of a fan base. I think of any, yeah, yeah, yeah. any football club in this country. They've got the worst fan base by far. And they're turning I, I, into I, I, Leicester. I this... They had the clappers on yesterday as well. Those fucking clapping things. Fucking nobbits. I, I, I live with I live with an Arsenal fan at uni. He's uh, called Nas, and that was the year that we we beat uh, we beat Arsenal eight two. And he always had gas. Always just chatted shit to me. No matter what happened, <laughs> even after they lost eight two, he still had. He's still. I'm like, how do you have energy? Like, where is this coming from? You've got no leg to stand on, and you're still giving me shit. <laughs> so yeah, Arsenal fans, they are a, they are a special breed. But yeah, I'd rather they win the league than City. I think that's, uh, that's slightly yeah. lesser evil. But look, let's hope that uh, by the time we speak next Monday, we banked two cool. of those wins, and then we're heading into Forest and then Leeds and Leeds, right? Oh no, Palace. Is it Palace between that? I don't even know when the games are. Palace. Seriously. Yeah. So there's too many games. But look. Matt, about thanks for joining in. Uh, anybody, if you have enjoyed the podcast, please would you drop a, I think you drop a five-star review if you listen to it on Spotify, Apple, anywhere else. Maybe we'll get Alex on next week. Maybe not. But Alex didn't even know Rashford was playing against Palace. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. <laughs> considering he was blind <laughs> drunk. So I'm not sure he's the best person to bring onto the pod anyway. <laughs> but I'm joking, Alex. I love you, really. But look, we'll see you next week. And um, yeah, big up Ten, ten Big up Ten Hag. Love and, and Martinez, Casemiro too. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Rachel Fisher. And I'm Desi Jenikin. And we host Hollywood Crime Scene. Our show is about the salacious crimes and scandals of the rich and famous, from the early days of Hollywood to the 21st century. We also cover Los Angeles history, true events that inspired movies, interesting biographies, and more. At the end of the week, we drop our mini episode, which recaps the news everyone is talking about, plus the weirdest stories of the week from around the globe. We also talk about food a lot. Subscribe to Hollywood Crime Scene wherever you find podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.